Growling is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts from Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad, and introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. We're at Minute 31 of Flash Gordon Minute. Eric, how are you? Well, Brad, I've never been to a public execution before. I'm so excited. It, it, it is exciting. It is very exciting. You know what? Long time ago, this that was considered entertainment, but they didn't have Netflix then. Speaking of entertainment, we have a, a, a very entertaining guest back with us. Uh, what, 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 why don't you introduce your friend again to everyone? Welcome, Joey Infante, back for a second day. Hey, how you doing? So this was alluded to yesterday. How, how do you guys know each other? Uh, my youngest son, and I believe it's your oldest daughter, Joey? Yes. Uh, they went to preschool together. Yep. We, uh, you know, we shared, we shared the, uh, the common preschool schoolyard setting and hanging out, you know, the moms, the dads, the birthday parties. So yeah, we hung out a few times and, uh, talked about podcasts and everything. And, uh, you know, through networking and knowing each other, uh, like I said, Eric invited me on. I was more than happy to come on because I've never seen Flash Gordon and, what the hell? It's time I watched it. This is a movie that, and we've had that a couple times, um, that people who have been familiar with the movie and known of the movie and uh, just just never got around to seeing it. And uh, everyone's been, uh, and we've gotten some great reactions to it because it's, it's, it's a bonkers film, and but so much fun and so well done. I mean, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. And uh, you know, obviously, we both enjoyed, or else we wouldn't be doing this. But it's been uh, fun to talk to a couple of people who this is their first experience with it. And uh, you know, th- thank you for coming on and sort of sharing uh, your uh, your introduction to the movie. Well, thanks. I mean, it's a nice change up from a horror movie. I mean, I've probably I've I've watched last year. I watched three hundred sixty five movies. At least three hundred of them were horror. Now, was that a specific goal that you set out to have the average of one a day, or you just worked out that way? Yeah, I, I was at first. It was a race between me and my co-host, and then in July and August, I, I just I don't know. I was so burnt out because I don't get to watch movies until the kids go to bed. So I like would sleep like three hours a night, and uh, I was just burnt out. And he kept going, you know, and he doesn't have small children. So he was able to watch and at work he was able to watch and I was just like, all right, I'm obviously not coming against this, but I'm got a new goal, 365. And literally to about an hour before midnight, I hit, I finished the, the 365th film. Yeah. That, that's dedication. And that I'm not dedication. doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> so. but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at 60 so far for the year. I mean, it's pretty damn good, but. I, it's not where it's like overwhelming me. I'm going at my own pace. Very cool. Well, we, uh, you know, so glad again, we're very glad that you're with us and we're going to dive right into minute 31. Uh, Eric, what, what happens in this minute? Well, we start out, we see them setting up for Flash's public execution and we hear an announcement made that the execution is scheduled for 2915 Mingo Mean Time. 
And I think that that's, a, that's using a pretty standard sci-fi trope. You have something in Earth terms, but with a little twist, so viewers understand it, but also see that it's different and it's not actually Earth. That was a good one. Mingo me time. <laughs> the, the, the one that always I get a kick out of is uh, on Star Trek, where they just do a lot of adding the word space in front of everything. It's like, we're going to go into space dock. It's like, yeah, I think you just say we're going to dock. Well, that's what they do then in Spaceballs, right? There's space bucks and everything. They just put the word space in front of everything in Spaceballs. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, and of course, with Spaceballs, it makes complete sense, you know, because it's it's a comedy. But it's like, really, Gene Roddenberry, you couldn't come up with anything else. You know, I've never, sorry to to track, but I've never seen anything Star uh, Star Trek either. Really? Yeah, but I, I love Star Wars. Everything Star Wars, but never Star Trek. It's um, I I am actually from a Star Trek, not Star Wars family, and I've seen all the Star Wars movies, and I I certainly appreciate them and enjoy them. Um, my mom was a big uh, Star Trek fan, the original series. Uh, she would um, God, this is how long ago it was when her and my dad were first married. Um, she would get home from work before he would. So she would make dinner and she would have a little black and white TV in the kitchen and would watch reruns of Star Trek. And she just, you know, learned to really enjoy the show from that. And then she was a huge fan of Next Generation. My mom's like a big Patrick Stewart uh, aficionado. So, uh, yeah, I, I've seen all the Star Trek movies. And uh, e- even though they're, the, the quality is shaky. Uh, uh, but I, I, I do enjoy them. Uh, you know, I've watched a bunch of the shows and I actually own a William Shatner album. <laughs> oh, the, fa- Oh, that's classic. Oh, wow. Well, it's not the one that's you're the thinking of. Uh, it wasn't the oh. golden throats. I own has been the album. He- oh, the one he did with Ben Folds. Yes. <laughs> and damn it. It's a good album. It's a good uh- album. <laughs> I could only imagine. <laughs> you, you, I, whatever you're imagining, it, it, it that's what it is. It, you, you, I, whatever it is you think it sounds like, I, I, that I'm is just what picturing it Ben like. Folds' piano going with William Shatner. <laughs> boy, <you know. laughs> we'll, we'll we'll play a clip on this episode, but uh, yeah, I love that album. It's it's yeah. Do ha- make sure it's has been that that's the that's the best. One. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, so. All right. Back the to the part, on the other Flash part of space, <laughs> other side. Well, uh, so you know, we talked briefly about the Aura Baron uh, relationship uh, yesterday, and we get to see really see it uh, a very interesting. This is some relationship basically here. So the, the two of them, we see them talk to each other for the first time. Aura says, you know, she's she's gonna she's got a surprise. Go back home and wait for me. He calls her a lying bitch. And Aura clearly wants Flash. She's clearly manipulating Baron. Doesn't even try to hide from him that she has other guys on the side. He's talking demeaningly to her. He's clearly sick of being manipulated. He says he doesn't trust her. But he also clearly loves her and keeps going along at it. I mean, this is, you know, this is the space dysfunctional relationship number one here. No, probably space relationship... uh... Defunctional relationship number two. I think Ara and Ming still take the gold on this one. (laughs) It says, don't you love me? Um, I don't trust you. (laughs) 
I love you, but I don't trust you. <laughs> yeah. It just goes back to her, you know, her character, right? Aura, seductress. It's like, I can't trust you, but I can't get enough of you. I'll do whatever you tell me. And she's confident, too. She says to Baron, I'll have a surprise for you. You know, later on, we find out the surprises that she brings Flash back. So Flash hasn't even been... He hasn't even entered the gas chamber yet, and she already is confident that she knows he's going to die and I'm going to reanimate him. Yeah, yeah, she she obviously has everything planned out, and it, she knows exactly what's going to happen, and she also knows that she has a Baron wrapped around her little finger, and really, I think she's pretty used to having all men wrapped around her finger. And it, what struck me was this is when... When they, when she kisses Baron, and it's a, it's a passionate, almost makes you uncomfortable to watch kiss. Um, and the, the the chemistry between these two, and we've talked a little bit about Timothy Dalton, and uh, who best known as, you know, not, not being a uh, less than beloved James Bond. Um, he and her have really good chemistry and there's a lot of heat and there's a lot and sort of the distrust against bouncing against the attraction. It's, it's really effective. These two have an effective scene with each other. Yeah, they are great. They are great in this movie. So it's, uh, (laughs) that's pretty much it between those two is just a lot of like him not trusting her, her being really confident. And then, uh, the, the scene quickly, goes to the 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 torture dungeon and when you guys first heard the screaming of someone being tortured what what was your first thought yeah we hear the whipping and moaning in this minute and we don't find out until tomorrow's minute what the whipping and moaning is uh which is kind of cool because obviously uh, you know it it sounds of a of a sexual nature I thought it was uh, I, honestly when I first heard it the first time I think I, I was like is is that Dale because <laughs> ah. it did sound like a woman screaming to me, to me the first you know when I especially when I go a while without seeing the movie and I'm trying to remember everything is like wait a minute is that t- they wouldn't and I'm just thinking it's like this isn't a movie that would torture a woman right <laughs> wait wait till later yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like oh, maybe it might be just maybe I was I was talking before but my, my mic was muted <laughs> oh <laughs> What did you have to say? What did you have to say? <laughs> we like to remember everyone, we're not pros. We're not pros. We, we don't get fat paychecks for this. <laughs> but um, I was just going to say, I, I was responding to the question. I was like, that doesn't sound like Flash. <laughs> that was my initial reaction. <laughs> yeah, aside from that, uh, you know, I... I yeah, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a really quick minute where the minute before this even though it's the same length, I felt like there was a lot more to look at, to, to analyze where here, you know, you're looking at these characters. It's just, it's mostly, um, you get the one thing with the, with the Mingo time, quick line, you know, you hear to tell him to dispose tonight. Right. But then the, the bulk of the scene is, is the Baron and the aura and, you know, just through their dialogue alone, I think it's fantastic, you know, because you got to realize when it comes to dialogue, right? Um, a lot of time it's about status, right? So like one is trying to get over on the other, who's going to get above the next one. And there's also this push and pull factor, which is stay and go, 
there's always a stay and go conflict. If you look at literally like all of literature, sitcoms, like most of the time, there's some kind of a stay and go factor. So look what we got here, right? All of that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's also, this is sort of a trope I think they've gotten away from, but with uh, Oren, uh, Baron, the the couple that hates each other, the the sort of evil characters, and usually they're anti-heroes, but although sometimes they could just be villains. Where there's obviously a pretty strong attraction, connection, sexual heat going on between the two, but they really seem to not like each other, especially from him and to her. He obviously doesn't like the hold she has on him. And she's sort of contemptuous of him. Um, and it only sort of shows through the cracks, but she's so confident, so smug that she's got him. And he'll do what he says, even though he knows she's lying or manipulating him or, she, you know, he's going to regret whatever she does. And uh, I, I don't think I've seen that I, recently. Um, and first off, I don't think you, you have sort of the she vamp character you don't see as much as you used to you know that was a very yeah it seems like there was one of that type of character in every james bond movie until till you got to until uh pierce brosnan uh, you don't see uh, with the um, the current bond movies they don't really have the femme fatale you know it's sort of a shame it's a, it's a sort of a fun sexy character and it can uh, allow for some really cool performances like what you have with aura Eric, what, uh, I feel like we've run out of minute really quick. Uh, what, what other notes do you have? I, 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 um, I wanted to uh, get Joey since yeah, this minute doesn't have too much going on. Uh, Joey, you're an English professor, and you, 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 some of the analysis you just did a couple of minutes ago sort of pulled that in. Just as a whole, you know, this, you know, one of the reasons that Brad and I love this movie so much, and a lot of people do, is just it's just so wacky and it's just so out there. Um, just thinking of, you know, the script and looking at it as, as an English professor, you know, were there any takeaways that uh, really stood out to you? Well, you know, I, I, I only got to watch it once, so I, I didn't really get to sit and really pick it apart. But as a whole, I think they do a good job recognizing that they're using these cliches, they're, they're using these stereotypes. And also being creative at the same time, right? So, like I said earlier, with with the in the last minute with the uh, with the Clytus character, you know, totally totally awesome character. But at the same time, you know, you hear some of the lines that the characters say, and they're classic things that the villains would always say. You know, same thing with Ming. And then, you know, I feel like we haven't really talked about Flash at all, right? But you know, the things that Flash says, there, there's nothing crazy insightful about it. But at the same time, it, it, it's it makes sense, like. He's just a logical dude, you know? Like, I, I, I remember listening to one of you guys' minutes, and in the originals, he comes off as, like, a serious scientific character, right? He's, like, a scientist. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a, was it Yale, Brad, that the original character went to? Yeah, he was a Yale graduate. He was sort of the, and this was a trope that was really popular with the old serials, where he was the gentleman scientist or the scientist adventurer. Right, right. So then, so then you know, you go into this movie and they change it up, right? I mean, I think, you know, the pulp, the pop culture reference is alluding to, like, a Joe Namath, you know? And you guys mentioned the People Magazine thing. Um, I think that the People Magazine thing, it speaks volumes because, I mean, I grew up with that thing next to my toilet, and <laughs> I was at my mother's house today visiting, and what came in the mail? A People Magazine. So when you put Flash's face on it, it just shows you 
the status, the iconic place where this character is. And granted, you know, that's not a dialogue between the character. It's still written in the script somewhere. So, you know, little things like that, I think are great. The details are obviously, you know, put into this film, you know, from like when you're in the, uh, in, in the next scene that we're going to look at in the next minute, you see in the backdrop, like the lizard people, you know? So just the staging, I think it's fantastic here. Um, but you know, like I said earlier, they use the cliches, but they use it wisely. You know, it's self-aware. It's not like, oh, we're going to make this, you know, movie. I'm going to try to be pretentious. And then it ends up full of cliche, you know? No, we're doing this as a campy sci-fi homage to the original. I think they do a great job. Like you guys said, you know, they do this with the purpose, with the intent and it works. Yeah. You know, and I, I do wonder, I know that, uh, Brad and I have mentioned um, some modern movies that sort of are in the, the, you know, the same vein as this, like Guardians of the Galaxy and, and Thor Ragnarok. But I do wonder if this movie, if they were to ever reboot this movie today, would they try to go that, you know, let's take ourselves seriously route and let's make it a real, you know, like, you know, the DC right. Universe movies sort of really, you know, dark and serious and, and go away from that. And I, I just, I don't know that that would work for... Flash Gordon. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this, I only saw it once, but you know, in the past, few, I've always loved film. But there was a point where I was trying to be in bands. You know, I'm also a musician. Then there was a point where I'm a writer and I become an educator. So I stepped away from film a lot. But over the past three years, I've really gotten into it hardcore, and ultimately, ultimately, have decided I want to eventually write one and collaborate on making one. Right, so I'm looking into all this kind of stuff now. So I'm looking at film differently, you know, than I was years ago. So years ago, if I would have watched Flash Gordon, I, I I would have probably had fun with it and appreciated it. But now looking at it, you know, I could pick apart different things that I wouldn't have seen years ago, you know. And um, like I said, I, I think this works. You know, uh, if I was coming in today as like a 13 year old boy going to watch this 1980s film, I might be a little skeptic about it. But I think by the end of the film, I might be like, all right, that was pretty rad. You know, Um, it's an experience watching this film. There's literally nothing like this. You know, there's literally nothing like this movie. <laughs> no, no. And this and that's the sort of movie this is. This is a movie where it feels so ridiculous at the beginning and it's so over the top. Um, but it's a movie that wins you over. The charm is just so overwhelming that, uh, you know, if you really watch it, and I think it's sort of really happens with the scene we just watched, the, the football scene. Where, uh, you know, how can you how can you deny this movie? How how can you not smile and have fun? And uh, there, that's not something that's easy to do. You know, we've talked in depth about how the Flash character wins everyone over because you know a pure-hearted, nice guy who, while still being a jock and you know a, a guy who's athletic and good-looking and has the women fawning over him, there's no reason we should like him. Y- you do. And uh, that, that's pretty damn impressive. You know, I I, I thought I was going to go in. He was going to move it across country for you. And Dana Carvey drives your car across country for you. But he told. So I could see why he is this, you know, this quarterback, but on People magazine. Like I could almost picture him. Like He's a real simple guy, but I could almost see him doing like Habitat for Humanity, you know? <laughs> definitely, definitely. 
What, what's funny is you did remind me of something uh, when you were talking about the People magazine and your parents' bathroom. And uh, that's something that's gone away. But um, you could tell who's, who, who, whose house you're in just by looking at the magazines in the bathroom because it seemed like every toilet in America had like a stack of magazines next to it. So you be at mom's house and there's People magazine and maybe TV guide. You go to grandma's house and there's the Reader's Digest. And then you visit your buddy in college, you go into the bathroom, it's like, well, there's a stack of Playboys right next to the toilet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitive. <laughs> and, and, you know, thinking about the People Magazine thing again, it, you know, if this was hunk of the year, I forget what they call it, where it's like the, the sexiest man alive, right? I, I could see, all right, maybe he's not going to make that one, but just a random cover throughout the year it comes out once a week. Out of the 52 episodes, plus the bonus ones, <laughs> out of the 50, I could see him making a cover, you know? I, I don't think it's it's far-fetched. And I think using people, um, because at that time, like, 70s, 80s, 90s, People Magazine was prominent. Like, that was, you saw it all over the, um, what is it, the grocery stores. You saw that and the National Enquirer, right? And uh, Weekly World News. <laughs> so you had, like, your believable <laughs> tabloids, your you know, celebrity fake tabloids, and then your absolutely bat s crazy tabloids, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the Bat Boy and stuff like that. Bat Boy, that's bat what boy, I was thinking yeah. of, Bat Boy. <laughs> My mother married an alien, and I had a weird-looking sister, you know, like, wacky things. Like, that's what I read as a kid. <laughs> Explains a lot about me. Uh, the only other note I have for this minute is we've got um, our uh, another Howard Blake non-Queen music cue. Uh, there's a very quick guitar twang during the establishing shot of the execution chamber. And that's actually, interestingly enough, that is the only music we hear in the three minutes we're covering this week. So it's, it's, it's so hit or miss in these weeks. Last week, we had two complete songs uh, from the Queen soundtrack. And this week, we get one little guitar twang from Howard Blake and nothing else. That's crazy. Flash Gordon feels like a movie where there should be music all the time. But, uh, I, but it's effective. When you, when you remove the sound, all of a, uh, the music, all of a sudden, it can really refocuses you. So um, that's a good call out. I, I, there was one scene where things just got absolutely silent. And I was just, it was towards the end of the film. And I was just like, whoa, just, that felt awkward. Joey, you are, uh, this is your second day with us. It's been uh, really great having you on. Uh, one more time, uh, let people know where they can find out more about your, uh, your, your world in the, your work in the world of horror podcasts. Yes. If you love horror movies and you love podcasts, check us out. The Horror Mafia Podcast. You could find us at horrormafiapodcast.com. We're in the midst of rebuilding the website. Also, you could find us on iTunes and other podcasting outlets just type in horror mafia podcast i also do another one where it's a little more comedic based and a bunch of guys hanging out cracking jokes busting chops and talking horror that's called slice and dice dreadcast um you could find episodes also on horrormafiapodcast.com and all podcasting outlets just type in slice and signed dice dreadcast.com and also check out our instagram page slice and dice dreadcast um some of the best horror memes on the net. My co-host, J-Mac, he runs that. And I don't know where he gets this stuff from, but it's amazing. You'll have to, um, and we recommend everyone check it out. You'll, you'll have to be sure to check in in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to have Kathleen Mocklin is going to be guesting with us. And uh, Kathleen, a wonderful young woman who is also a huge horror movie fan. 
and she actually does horror movie reviews for uh, the Mothership Show, the Cosmic Geppetto podcast. Uh, and it was it's a lot of fun because I, I'm I'm sure you remember the um, well, everyone knows Elvira uh, and her her beginnings, basically introducing uh, old horror movies. And it, after Elvira came to prominence, it seemed like every city had their own like crypt keeper type or Elvira or um, you know, their their own classic horror movie host and uh kathleen has been doing some uh, reviews like that it's been a little while since she did her last one uh but her own persona muertis the duchess of death <laughs> nice it's uh, so she's wonderful so uh we'll, we'll have to make sure that she checks out your podcast and uh yeah you, you'll have to give a listen to, to cosmic geppetto featuring kathleen so uh eric what where can people find out more about flash gordon minute uh, join us on our Facebook fan page, the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Chat with us. Uh, email us, flashgordonminute at gmail.com. And chat with us on Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod. Been another great day, and looking forward. Tomorrow we're going to finish it up. And uh, Joey's been an amazing guest, and uh, been having so much fun. But Eric, I'm not quite right of the hills. Uh, we got to get you right of the hills. We got to get me right of the hills. So, uh,. As we're recording this, I'm about ready to move. Uh, we're we're selling our townhouse that we've lived in for 17 years. We're going to get this beautiful single-family home with a yard for the kids and the dog to play. The problem is I didn't realize how much it costs to move stuff because once upon a time, I just would find somebody with a pickup truck and offer to buy beer and pizza. And uh, there ain't enough beer and pizza in the world. And it's 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 just it's just so much money, Eric. It's just so much money. Well, listen, if you're finding yourself completely stressed out, you know, if you're feeling like you're a kinship with Richard Pryor and King Kong Bundy shows up to get your stuff and move it across country for you and Dana Carvey drives your car across country for you, but he totally destroys it. Don't worry about all that. Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute.
moving out. Moving out. 